Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Show Us Your Kit. I'm very excited about this one. I'm joined by Jason Guy from the Wolf Whistle podcast. How are you doing, Jason? I'm not too bad. Thank you very much for inviting me on. I've uh, once again, uh, I've been really looking forward to this. Um, fellow Wolves fan like me as well, uh, which is fantastic. But yeah, the, the podcast is going from strength to strength. In fact, we've recently broke through 32,000 downloads. Um, and listen, I started off on a bit of a whim, really. And all I wanted to do was, you know, interview a few former players. And I didn't realise how well it was going to take off. So, uh, and you know, thank you for the invite on today on your great show. That's all right. Uh, so you can find Jason on Twitter at Wolves Premier, as well as his podcast, uh, Wolf Whistle Podcast as well. But not only are you known for your uh, podcasting, you're fundraising as well. Nearly a quarter of a million pounds raised for uh, cancer research. So just tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, um, my wife uh, passed away of triple negative breast cancer um, six years ago now. And she initially started the fundraising. Our aim was just to, to raise a thousand pound. And we did that in our first weekend um, <laughs> uh, by selling wristbands. And so that went through the roof. And then the first year, I think we raised 10,000. And then with the kindness and generosity of people on social media and all the events that we do, you're quite right. We're now just under a quarter of a million. Um, in, in which is now our seventh year of fundraising, and we never expected it to, to, to get this big, uh, but here we are. And uh, you know, thank you to all the kind people that have donated. Amazing. So, where can people find uh, a link to that to, to donate if they'd like to? So, if they go on to uh, the, the website www.legacy for the number uh, lucy.co.uk, uh, or follow me on Twitter at Walls Premier. And uh, there's, there's plenty of ways to donate and, and help, um, you know, find a research and a cure for, for an illness, which, believe it or not, affects 55,000 women in the UK each year. So any support is appreciated, especially during these challenging times. Yeah, very good. So uh, just to come back to your podcast as well, some of the ones that I've listened to, I don't know how you've managed to well how have you managed to get these kind of people on there you've got you know former managers and recent managers in terry connor and things like that how, how have you built that sort of black book of contacts <laughs> to be honest uh, i don't know i mean initially it started to help the wolves all stars from la so i know a few of the former players that play and they've traded you know we've traded stories in the changing rooms and i just thought this would be a great podcast you know and so, so other people could listen so i started with all the people who you know i'm friends with Maleves, Dalridge, Colin Taylor, John Purdy, etc. And then I've challenged myself, and you know, there's been like quite rightly, as you've said, you've had uh, Carl Henry, Michael Kiteley, Dave Jones, Graham Turner, Colin Lee, Terry Connor, John DeWolf. Um, we're working on uh, Ludo Polly. So yeah, I've got a, a little black book of all these contacts, uh, but they've all agreed to come on, and uh, you know. It's just been amazing, and we've had Andy Gray as well, another massive name. But I'm working mm. on so many more. I think we've done now. I think there's been 50 odd different players, um, maybe more than that, maybe even 60 now. Uh, and, and we're still doing one a week. And I've, I've got another, believe it or not, I've got another 70 lined up. Wow. So I think we're going to be busy for the next couple of years at least. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Keep us all uh, entertained, and well, and you certainly kept a lot of people entertained yeah. during uh, during lockdown as well. But who's been your yeah. favourite one, or what have been the favourite stories that you've heard from these uh, interviews then so far? 
I've got to say, uh, my, my, my favourite one uh, has been either Dave Jones or Colin Lee. Uh, mm. And that's because, obviously, you know, it's always great to hear a manager's perspective. And Dave Jones, you know, I was there that day in Cardiff when we got promoted. Um, and, you know, we've been waiting so long for that moment. And it was Dave that, that obviously achieved it for us. So it was huge. Where Colin Lee was interesting was I didn't know some of the stories. Some of the stories he was coming out with, I was like, wow. And he didn't hold mm. back. And he said what he thought of Jez Moxie, et cetera. Uh, <laughs> and Jez is one, actually. We're working to get on the podcast. but So that, that might be one for the future. Um, but the, the, one of the most interesting stories was John Purdy. Uh, now, John's mm. a mate of mine. And it's just a great story where he used to walk across West Park to the game uh, and he'd be chatting with fans on what the score would be and they didn't even know he was playing. I mean, now with social media and, yeah. and you know, the way he's, everybody knows everybody uh, in terms of who's playing, especially, you know, the players. And, and John was quite unrecognisable and he blended in with the crowd and they didn't even know he was playing. <laughs> Um, I've got to ask you as well about the Dave Jones podcast because you reached quite a, a wider audience for that one because of uh, certain Jeff Stelling. How did you uh, how did you deal yeah. with that flack? I mean, what was quite interesting was um, Dave Jones. Obviously, for, for those that don't know the story, Dave Jones was manager of Hartlepool, and Jeff Stelling used his platform on Sky to literally throw him under the bus mm. and say, "Dave, get out of our club." And since then, that has affected. Dave's chances of employment. Um, you know, Jeff Stelling used that platform really for his own gain and, and, and it really did. You know, it was a real tough time for Dave. Um, and David, I didn't know, David never heard it. So I got the recording, I played it to Dave of, of uh, Jeff Stelling's rant and Dave was quite honest in his assessment of it. And, you know, he said, oh, um, he basically said his thoughts. It's best to listen to the podcast. And Jeff Stelling then, somebody sent it to Jeff Stelling, who then come at me on Twitter. It was a massive argument. And then it got into the Hartlepool echo. And <laughs> so I got a load of new fans and abuse from Hartlepool. And uh, yeah, so that was fun. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, well, I've got a quick story to tell you about Colin Taylor, because yes. I'm a little bit too young to remember him. But at Liverpool yeah. away, the last game of last season, I was standing there yes. the last couple of minutes, and he comes charging down the steps towards me, he puts his arm around me, he goes, and then in his thick Scouse accent, says something about, do you know who the only two teams to beat Wolves are, you know, home and away this season? It was like, yeah, Huddersfield and you. And he's like, shh. <laughs> and then he explained to me how he, you know, used to play for the Wolves. And I was going, I've never heard of you, mate, never heard of you. But he, yeah. you know, I, since then, I can't move on social media without seeing him because he's just in that all-stars thing all the time. And uh, I've yeah. the podcast, obviously, with him as well. There's... Uh, Quite, you've managed to find quite a few of these lesser-known players as well and got a good story out yeah. of them as well. And what's interesting is sometimes, you know, the, the bigger-name players get less downloads than the, the lesser-name players. So, for example, I'm a good man at Steve Ball. Um, mm. And, you know, Steve's got some fantastic stories. But if you've seen him at a Q&A, some people might have seen the stories before. Whereas yeah. Darren's thinking, Kevin Ashley and Colin Taylor, they aren't as bigger names and they know that. However, their story's as important, if you like, and people haven't heard their stories, so they've still got some great stories. So Darren Simkin, for example, was signed for, I believe, £15,000 from Blanknell Town, and that £15,000 bought the floodlights of Blanknell Town. So, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't hear these stories. Yeah. So, yeah, there's plenty more gems. We're interviewing Jim Melrose this week, 
He played seven appearances on loan for the club. Once again, they've all got great stories from a great era. Is there anybody who's on a wish list that you haven't got booked yet, but you really hope that you will? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on quite a few, to be honest. I'm working on uh, George Berry. I'm working on uh, Campbell Chapman, who played for Wolves in, in the, the very dark days. Um, as I said, we've got Ludo Pole coming on. I've, uh, I've messaged Jez Moxie. So I've got his number, so I'm working on Jez. Uh, Mick McCarthy, Glenn Hoddle. Um, so there's some there's some big names, and then one day we might get Frankowski and Sammy Algebra. So <laughs> brilliant, <We'll see. laughs> brilliant. Right, let's get to the first uh, part of the podcast. Then I've asked you to show us one of your kits. Now you've got probably the most yeah. pristine and well kept uh, collection that we've seen so far. This is your Thank first you. selection, your Wolves shirt. Uh, so from the 1988 uh, Football League trophy final tell us yeah. the story behind this shirt then so basically um you can go in the club shop now and online and you can buy the, the replicas of these shirts mm. um spoil was the manufacturer and obviously store distribution was the sponsor uh and I, I, I can't remember where i actually picked that shirt up from it's probably ebay uh on a drunken night when i've got in from the pub and i've gone on ebay and i've bid <laughs> more than i should have What's interesting is it's got the actual Football League Centenary mm. uh, logo around the, the badge, which makes that even more rare. Because prior to playing in the Sherpa Van Trophy final at Wembley in 1988, I think it literally just a few weeks before, we played in a, a tournament between 12 clubs, which were the founder members of the Football mm. League. Um, so I got this shirt and then I went to a dinner with the 1988 team. And as you can see, Every player who, who played in the game, sadly, other than, than Mark Kendall, uh, who sadly passed away, mm. uh, shirt actually, sorry, Floyd Street's not on there neither. So that shirt to me. And what I do like about that team is, I mean, the players are, are obviously so humble. Um, and, you know, some of them players were, were, were literally being paid peanuts then to play for the club. Mm. And they, they dragged the scruff of our neck. You know, Ali Robertson was the captain. Um, and, you know, he played bloody 600 games at West Brom. He comes to Wolves, cross the divide, and then we get a day out at Wembley. We get two promotions on the bounce. And that was when uh, we were back. Is there a part of you that, that sort of misses that, that kind of era because of the connection that you know, some of the fans might have had with the, the lower level of football that they were watching? I've got to be honest, yeah, because, look, with the greatest respect... Wolverhampton Wanderers now, we are watching the best team we've ever seen. And, and you know, this is from fans back who, who've gone to watch football in the 70s when we were winning trophies, etc. This is the best football they've ever seen. But they are further removed from the working man than ever before. Whereas mm. back in the late 80s, um, these people were probably earning maybe the same, maybe just a little bit more than the working man. Um, and, and when they finished their careers, they had to work. You know, and that's going to normal jobs, and this decadence uh, was almost before them, where they're playing in front of twenty thousand fans at the Molyneux, and then just a few years later, they're driving vans. You know, they're working in factories, which there's nothing wrong with, by the way, but mm. it must be difficult for people to to play in front of twenty thousand fans, score a goal, have the crowd sing your name, uh, and then literally a few years later, uh, you're, you're you're delivering bread, as in Paul Jones' case, was a midfielder. 
um, and, and you know he was delivering bread, and there's nothing wrong with that. But but the decadence, so, uh, you know, must be. And look, the reality is, Ruben Neves, Diogo Jota, and Joe Matinho, they're not going to be uh, working as a delivery driver at the end of the <laughs> career. And you know what? I'm I'm glad about that, but it just shows how far the club's come. Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, right, let's have a look at your next show. I'm quite excited to hear whether this is a genuine uh, piece, if it is actually bully shirt or if it's, uh, it's just sort of a display. Tell I must say, story. yeah, it, 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 it certainly isn't. It isn't bully shirt. Um, what's quite interesting is, though, it's a replica shirt. And they, these England replica shirts are, 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 are still, they go for good money, actually, and they're mm. still quite rare. And growing up, I remember I started supporting Wolves in about 1987, 1988. And um, I had my, my Wolves shirt back then. And this was my first ever England shirt. And that was actually mine that I had. So it's oh, actually right. a, a kit size. And um, yeah, and it was obviously the, the, the replica shirt of the shirt that Steve Ball made his debut. And bearing in mind at the time, he was a third division player mm. um, back in 1989. And, and now <laughs> an England player from the championship is, is just wouldn't happen, let alone from now, what now is League One. And for him to score on his debut, once again, he's just ridiculous. Roy of the Rovers fairy tale stuff. So I did my little homage to him and I've got a programme, a match ticket. Uh, and the actual card that's signed by him was interesting. Back in the day, uh, Beatty's had a new sports department, which mm. they invited Bully to open. And he was, uh, he was there and I went to see him and I queued up with about 50 other people and I got my little promo card signed uh, and that's made the frame as well. Awesome. I've asked a couple of people of similar ages to you about Bully and comparing him to the likes of Neves and uh, Jimenez, sort of now the heroes, because yeah. are they comparable in any sort of way? Because you can say, well, Bully, you know, he scored 306 goals but never did it in the Premier League. You've got the current yeah. team who are doing it. But then we wouldn't have had that had we have not had Bully. Where does he rank to you in terms of players that we've had well, in the last 34 years? The, the way I see it is Steve Ball scored 306 goals for the club and that record will never, ever be beaten. Because mm. if a player scores 30 goals, or as Steve did, 50 goals in a season, they are going to be gone. Because if a player scores 50 goals, Real Madrid and Barcelona are going to be giving him a checkbook. Um, yeah. So he did it at a time where, I suppose, where, you know, he stayed loyal to the club as well. But the argument is he never did it in the top flight, and I'll get that argument. But he did it at the international stage, which is bigger than the top, you know, bigger than the top flight. Mm. He's the best, the pinnacle of any mm. player's career is to play in a World Cup. He played in a World Cup. He scored four goals in 13 appearances. And if you add up the amount of time he had on the pitch during those 13 appearances, it was probably only about seven games because mm. a lot of them 13 appearances were substitute appearances. So, I mean, those seven games to score four goals at international level is incredible. Um, you know, listen, I'm sure he earned good money towards the end of his career, but would he want to play today? I don't think he would now because he had a great career when he did. You know, mm. obviously, he probably didn't get remunerated as well as he should have had. Um but, but yeah, he, he look, he's the biggest legend in in my my era supporting Wolves. Uh, and I yeah. think I can speak for a lot of people in that. And what's it like then now having been friends with such a legend? What's that like? Listen, I've you know, been on golf trips with him, I've stopped in hotel rooms with him and 
you have to pinch yourself at first, and uh, then you realise. Listen, listen. If there's someone as who is literally, you know, he hasn't changed. He's so humble, and this guy who's got an MBA, he's been on a question of sport. You know, he's got a stand named after him. Uh, but you know what? If you, you know, if you met him and people that do meet him, he's just he's, he's skin and bones. He's just like me and you. He's very humble. Mm. Um, mm. And I suppose he, he has to pinch himself in the career he's had. Mm. Yeah, lovely. Right, let's move on to the next part uh, of the podcast. I think it's going to, well, your next two pictures are going to sort of uh, combine. So we're going to yeah. have a look at your favourite uh, photo, sporting photo, which I think if pushed, I'd probably say it was one of mine, certainly one of my favourite Wolves photos anyway. And that's of Sir Jack during the playoff final, yeah. the last couple of minutes of, uh, of the game. Thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, talk us through this picture then. So, I've been a Wolves fan at that point for the past 15 years. And I've seen disappointment after disappointment, manager after manager, players coming down on a final payday from the top flight to come and help us up and really just there for the money. And it was never going to happen. And I remember seeing the toaster banner what was it, 19 years, 20 yeah. hours, 22 minutes, whatever it was. And mm. saw that, and then it got real then, you know, flipping neck. You know, it's a countdown almost. And I thought, we've waited. That, that's how long we waited. And then, so at halftime, we're 3-0 up. And Dave Jones tells a very interesting story in his podcast. And he said, you know, the 3-0 up and the, the, some of the players, you know, I think he said to the players, right, you've got a choice now. You can either go and defend the lead we can go and show about for the fans. And I think it was just Nathan Blake and Lee Naylor who wanted to show about. And everybody else was going, no, we've got to get this over the line. You call into Denny Serwings, etc. So we're 3-0 up. Then Sheffield United get the penalty. So I'm watching at this point and I'm thinking, here we go. Sheffield United, we're going to score now. A couple of minutes later, they'll get another one. Next thing you know, last minute, they'll pop up with an equaliser. Because we're Wolves fans and we've seen it all before. Yeah. Soon as Matt Murray saved the penalty, I still genuinely believed that we was going to draw. You know, I thought, right, even that wasn't good enough for me. And there you go. I think you can just about see on the clock, 77 minutes, probably mm. later in the game than that. As soon as Sir Jack put his thumbs up, he, he, he basically said, listen, have a party. I mean, I've got hairs in the pretty back of my yeah, neck now. L listen, guys, you can have a party. We're up. Yeah. It's done. And it's like he confirmed it and he told us we were up. Uh, and even Matt Murray saving even a fourth goal wouldn't have <laughs> wouldn't have wouldn't have comforted me or settled the nerves. It was Sir Jack telling us that do you know what we've done it now. Mm. <laughs> and then mm. we went but, up and he didn't spend any money. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I was just going to say. So my next question was going to be sort of during the nineties when he was spending all that money. Which which team do you think would have coped the best in the Premier League at, at that point? I, I think. When we lost, uh, is it Crystal Palace or Norwich? And Neil Emblem was playing, and Neil Emblem and, and Simon Osborne, and there once again they've been on the podcast, great players. And I just think they would have really, really handled it well. And there was a good squad there, um, and you know some big name players, but mm. the, 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 genuinely a good, talented squad. And in the podcast with Simon Osborne, he said, "Look, we was looking around the dressing room, thinking, how haven't we done this?" He said, "So we was as frustrated as anyone." And you know what, Sir Jack, to be fair to him, I, I don't blame him really for, for, look, the rest is history now, so we, we are where we are. Mm. But Dave Jones said to him, 
I think they said to Dave Jones, what's it going to cost for, well, so, so Jack asked Dave Jones, what's it going to cost for us to, to, to win the Premier League and to stop up? And I think Dave said, to win the Premier League, you get a, it's going to be 60 million. Mm. To stop up, it's going to be 20 million. And then he gave Dave Jones a war chest of reportedly 2 million, 3 million yeah. pounds. So, look, I think our fate was already sealed, but we had a fantastic year in the Premier League, although we was getting beat every week. <laughs> and we had the legends of Isaac Okoronkwo and Henry Kamara, yeah. <laughs> um, Oleg Lugny, all the big guns come out. So, what a season. Yeah. I, my memory of the playoff final as well is of, it must have been about 11 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock in the morning, and Sir Jack's um, rover coming right th- through the middle of uh, the crowd. And apparently yeah. he asked his driver, I think, to go back around again or something like that because he just loved the That's adulation right. from the fans so much. He was a proper yeah, I think, Wolverhampton boy at heart, wasn't he? I think Dave spoke about that in his podcast and he said they'd gone around once and he asked his driver to take him around again. And you know what, rightly so, he deserved all the, all the plaudits and the accolades that he got because there's not many philanthropists such as Jack Hayward who were going to put, you know, work as hard as they did and... While he was spending all that money at Wolves, he was falling out with his own family because he was spending mm. their inheritance. So I've got to be honest, if I didn't support Wolves and my dad was Sir Jack Hayward, I might not be happy when I see certain players coming in for two or three million quid. Um, <laughs> but listen, he got to he got to live the dream. Uh, you know, it, it must be the best thing than to kicking a ball on the pitch for the Wolves. Yeah. So let's have a look at your final your final piece of memorabilia, which again, a very smartly presented piece. Uh, well, yeah. First of all, who does it belong to? Because it looks like it's a proper match-worn shirt. Yeah, so this is Kenny Miller's, as you can see, picture of me and Kenny in the corner. That's Kenny Miller's match-worn shirt from the playoff final. <clears throat> Once again, um, from my point of view, um, that for me was the pinnacle of supporting Wolves. It's clearly going to be overshadowed soon with, with, with what's happening at the club at the minute. But we'd had to wait so long for that moment. And, and when we went up, it was just just unbelievable. And I've only ever cried at two football games. And it was that one. And uh, as soon as Jack put his thumbs up, I was in tears. And the next one was Brighton away when Jamie O'Hara also stuck his thumb up. And I started crying at that game as well because I was that angry. I wanted to get on the pitch and rip his head off. Anyway, I didn't and I wouldn't. But yeah, the, the Brighton away game for me was, was awful because once again, we had a team there which was capable of winning the championship. And um, a good percentage of that team seriously didn't care. And key players went hiding all season. Uh, and obviously, Dean Saunders, the tactical genius, didn't help the situation. But... As they say, the rest is history, and with every uh, pinnacle, there's always a roller coaster ride that takes you up and down along the way. Yeah. So, well, I want to ask you as well about the three promotions we've had to the Premier League and sort of ranking them. I think from what you've said, I can imagine that 2003 sits above the rest. But what about the other two? So, the two championship winning teams, 2009, 2018, where do they sort of stand? Just to just to encapsulate. The season, the seasons, very quickly. In, in the, the playoff final is a great way to win a game, but a terrible way to lose one. And the reality is, the team that won the 08-09 championship, uh, as they did, were a better team than, than this playoff final team. But it's a great day to go to Wembley, have a cup final, and win. Um, the 08-09 team. And rightly so, some of the players don't believe, and, and Carl Henry as well reported saying this, don't believe that, that you know, 
sometimes they, they, they got the recognition that they deserve. And I do agree with that, to be honest. Because, once again, Mick McCarthy had took over a, a team with, I think, his first day of training. There were eight or nine players. And then he, he unearthed some gems in Matt Jarvis, Michael Kiteley, um, you know, Kevin Foley, Sylvan Ebanks-Blake. Some unbelievable talent. Put it all in this mixing pot and produced an absolutely fantastic team. And then the team that, that, that walked the championship uh, under Nuno. Look, this is the reality. That, that team was to, you know, you hear that story, they're too good for the championship. When you've got Champions League players in the championship, you know you're going to do it. And do you know what? Rightly so. We haven't broke any rules. You know, I know the other clubs are bleating about it, but it doesn't matter. You know, we're, the, we're, we're lucky that Fosen have chosen us. If I had to rank all three in order, I would say my favourite day was the playoff final. Uh, secondly, it was 08 09, the way McCarthy had dragged them together. And not, 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 I wouldn't say, I don't want to say last, but thirdly, would have to be that team because I think we knew we was going to win it anyway, yeah. but we still did it. It was like a procession from September, wasn't it, really, that season? We knew yeah. that they were so good. Um, well, let's look forward then to the next couple of seasons. No European football next year, but yeah. how, do you, how do you see the next two or three years going? Um, the, the only problem is with football uh, and the way Wolves have been playing and uh, comes expectation. And the expectation levels now at Wolves between the fan base is ridiculous. So there's people like me on Twitter who remembered when they weren't the best team in the Midlands, which now we are. And, you know, we're now looking to be one of the best sides in the country. So, and I get, you know, that some fans are disappointed that we didn't win um, the uh, Europa League, right? But also, and it's not a case of, oh, we was in League One a few years back. It's a case of it's been a huge, huge journey. And folks, and by their own admission, are already ahead of schedule. Um, and look, there's some of the fan base now, which are young lads, 16, 17, and they only know Nuno. They only know this mentality and this winning football. So why wouldn't you have that expectation level? Um, and when you go back as far as we've supported them, you know, you, we've seen all sorts. So I think sometimes you just have to take stock of it and think, you know what, we're not going to win every game of the season. We're not going to win every competition as much as we want to. There's going to be players we miss out on. But if you look at the, the structure of the club, right from the very top to, you know, the bottom, if you like, it's unbelievable. The strategies they've got in place, that you know, where they want to go, the ambitions. We've always had ambitions, but now these are ambitions we can realise before we want to get to the Premier League, want to win the Premier League, want to win the FA Cup. Now we can. We've, we've been saying it for years. Now we can. We, we're going to get to a point where we can compete with anybody. And we've shown that against the, the sides in the top six. We've got to an FA Cup semi-final. We've then got to a, a, a Europa League quarter-final. Um, we've got Nuno, who, you know, in my opinion, how he wasn't even a nominate, nominee for the manager of the year is absolutely beyond me. Um, but, you know, once again, in Nuno, we trust. There's going to be a wobble. You know, you, you see some supporters on Twitter, I ended up rowing with them half the time. But, you know, <laughs> silly things, always oh, in-game management, this, that, the other. He's not perfect. He's not the finished article. No. He isn't. But if you looked at every decision Nuno has made, there's been the good ones far outweigh the bad. You know, and you've only got to look what he's doing with Traore. That's first season under Traore. 
if they'd have sold Truro for 15 million quid, no one would have batted an eyelid. Mm. We wouldn't have cared, wouldn't have been bothered, right? There wouldn't have been people going, we should give him another chance. Nuno worked with him, give him another chance. That player now is possibly worth 60 to 80 million pounds. And that's down to Nuno. Yeah. And along the journey, if we do sell a player, I don't want to see us sell Raul Jimenez. But if we get a ridiculous 80, 90 million pound bid, for example, at that stage of his career, he's going to get a huge signing on fee. He could play for one of the biggest clubs in history. You know, he's 29 years of age. I don't want to see him, go, but it could happen. And along the way, look, when we sold Barry Douglas, there was a flipping up wrong, wasn't there? <laughs> Douglas, he's a brilliant free kick taker. He's set pieces. Best left back we've ever seen in history. Don't, can't sell him. <laughs> then we get Johnny in, who no one had heard of. And Johnny yeah. is, with the greatest respect, twice the player Barry Douglas is. You know, he, yeah. Johnny is an unbelievable player. And they keep unearthing these players. So, and look, the sky's the limit now. Just mm. What we're watching is unbelievable. I mean, Costa and Cavalero, I didn't want to see them players go. I know. We've, look, we've been proved right. Or, or yeah. such a the club have been proved right. Yeah. One final thing. The fixtures have come out today. The first fixtures I looked for were, of course, our neighbours down the road for the first time in eight years. The longest time we've ever gone without playing them. Just a word on them and yeah. those two games. How, how are you looking forward to those? All I'd say is, Tom, um, that... I think we're going to be looking forward to it more than they are. We've already seen the bridge that they're going to be waiting for us on. <laughs> if it's still, have you seen that bridge? Anyway, no, it's, um, yeah. yeah, that that little bridge that they, they, they're going to make the Hawthorns an intimidating place. Look, this is the reality now. We are levels apart from from, from West Brom, in my opinion. Um, and I'm just so glad how the fixtures have worked out. In that, it's though uh, the the West Brom games are both after Christmas. I think mm. the first one's January the 16th, and then the away one's May the 1st, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm, I just hope the supporters are back in the stadium then, because, look, we can't forget, last time we played them in the Premier League, they beat us 5-1, right? It's the greatest achievement in West Brom's history. <laughs> They're never, ever, ever going to forget about it, right? If, I tell you what, if it had been 6-1... They could have still put their six fingers up on one hand and top us. That's the, you know, I'm joking, by the way. But the reality is, they ain't beating us 5-1 again. They can live on that and dine out on that for the rest of their lives. Soon that video will be available in black and white. Because this time, it's going to be a cricket score in our favour. Fighting talk. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much, Jason, for coming on. Some really great stories. Don't forget to go and check out his podcast as well, Wolf Whistle Podcast and Wolf's Premiere on uh, Twitter as well. Once again, Jason, thank you very much for joining me and uh, I'm sure that we'll speak again soon. Tom, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.